Good morning, West Bowles Church. Pastor Thomas here. I hope the morning is off to a great start so far. I'm sorry that you have to see me in 36 by 22 high def right now. Wow, this big screen, maybe it wasn't such a great idea. But hey, we're not there with you this morning. We're actually down in Albuquerque right now celebrating my grandmother's 95th birthday. It's an exciting weekend for us, but we're sorry that we're not with you today. But we've got a great replacement, Reg Cox, a friend of West Bowles Church. He's spoken here numerous times over the years. He's back again today. Reg is a powerful communicator of truth, and he's the second best-looking bald-headed preacher in this entire area. So you're really going to be blessed. But he's going to challenge us this morning as we enter into a new series, this remarkable series, about partnering with Jesus, literally doing the remarkable with Jesus. He's going to challenge us to think about what's our plan of attack? What disciplines do we need to commit to now that will make that possible, that will position us to do incredible things with and for the Lord? So it's going to be a great morning. Would you join me right now in welcoming Reg Cox. West Bowles, it's a great blessing to be with you. My family's here and some other friends. And as Thomas mentioned in his largeness, uh, we've been here a few times and it's a great gift to be with you this morning. I lead a nonprofit in Lakewood uh, that's uh, focused on merging and mobilizing the churches in Lakewood towards meaningful service. And we collaborate with schools and government and do a lot of cool stuff in Lakewood and we're excited about what's going on in Littleton and across the metro area as the kingdom of God advances. I'm really excited about your remarkable series on Mark and my job this morning is to try to up your game to prepare you to receive and engage in the series. It's real easy in faith just to receive but our call is to engage not only the faith that God awakens in us, but to engage the world that we live in with the faith that we have, right? Amen? Do you believe that your faith is called to engage and change the world? Um, One of the things that I think about often is, what if this year, 2018, something, an opportunity, a challenge will be laid out before you and you'll realize, I was born for this year. Everything that I've struggled with, all of my failures, all of my successes add up to this moment. This is why I was born. A person of faith prepares themselves as if that's true. God has called me for this moment of time. And I believe that possibility is real for many, if not all of us here this morning. It could be someone that you will invest in at work, a neighbor, one of your grandchildren, and you will have a chance to redirect the future of their lives and they will live to influence people and places you will never see. So how do we prepare? We prepare in the Word of God in the remarkable series, Study of Mark. My favorite gospel and my favorite book in the Bible is designed to equip you for that. And I look forward to you delving into Mark and seeing what God does in and through West Bowles Community Church. Well, I grew up in the South, like Thomas, and the South is noted for many things, most of which you eat. And so um, the South has got great food. When you think about it, there's not a lot of great scenery, there's not a lot of great activities, and when you're going to get with somebody, you always say, hey, where do you want to eat? Some people grow up, and they're a chocoholic. I grew up a breadaholic. My mom made unbelievable bread, and we lived in a little tiny house, and you could smell that bread baking everywhere, even outside. If the biscuits were on in the morning, you didn't need an alarm clock, baby. I mean, we just rose out of the sheets at the smell of the biscuits. 
One of the challenges I faced was my brother, my brother was more focused on eating than I was, and you could see that in him if he was here right now. He would just, it would be obvious he was more energetic about the eating skills and had refined those talents. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We'd get home from church, and my mom would put the biscuits in the oven, and she'd let them rise while we were at church in the fridge. Any of you that are from the South know I'm talking about a yeast biscuit. And just the idea of that is making you salivate at this moment. And so my brother would be focused, and he would be in the kitchen when the biscuits came out. Somehow he had this, like, radar, and I would holler out. I could hear him in the kitchen. And I, we were supposed to divide the biscuits evenly. And I would say, how many biscuits are there? And I would hear muffled, room, room, 14. The sucker already had two of them in his mouth. I've had a chance to travel uh, around to different countries in the world, to Haiti, Jamaica, Egypt, and Kenya. And I've had lots of really funky food. But the worst food I ever had was in the Ukraine. I was on a train with four Armenians, and uh, the train would stop in all these little uh, Ukrainian and Russian villages, and the Armenians would get out and they would buy stuff. And hospitality is a real big deal. And so they would bring me food. And man, I don't know what it was. I don't know what I was eating, but man, they were insistent that I eat the food. And so I'm, I'm eating this food and just hoping that I can keep it down as we travel on this train. They stopped at this one village and they brought in, they brought in this, this fish. And it's not what you're thinking. I'm not talking Long John Silvers. I'm just talking dead fish. It was a dead fish. It looked like a carp some dude had caught like five days earlier and he'd hung it in a tree in the yard. It had scales on it, it had eyeballs. It was nasty. You see, your appetite, what you desire, what you long for, the flavors that you desire are shaped by the culture that you grew up in. The family, your family ate certain foods and loved, and that's hardwired into you. And in other places in the world, their appetites, what they think is good to eat, is very different than you and I. For instance, if we went to Jamaica, the best part of the chicken in Jamaica is the bones. They eat the flesh, and then they chew up the bones and suck the marrow out. It's one of the grotiest things. It takes forever to eat a chicken with a Jamaican. If we're in Africa, the best part of the cow, it's not, it's not the T-bone, it's the brains, cow brains. I mean, if you're served the cow brains, you are the honored guest. Let me tell you, if you want to absolutely pass out in dinner, have a cow brain dropped in front of you. Um, I just, I, I think about, I saw this picture of the, uh, of the taco with eyeballs in it, and I thought, wow, you're going to really love that picture, so... Again, your, your appetite, your appetite is shaped by at least three things. Number one, the culture. Who do you surround yourself with? What are, what are you used to in your culture? What's, what is normal around you? Secondly, your family. What was presented to you as good? What, do you, what, was, what was normal in your household, in your family, in the people that you esteemed and grew up with? And then number three, regular diet. You know, you get used to certain things over time. The first time you tried them, you didn't like it that much. In fact, if, if some of you have wrestled with 
Smoking, you would say, man, the first time I had a cigarette, oh boy. Or the first time I had a beer, man, I didn't like it at all. But over time, you slowly get used to something. So regular diet. In other words, you too could become a cowbrain lover. You would trade your Big Macs. You would trade tacos. You would trade your mom's biscuits if, number one, you built a culture around you that reinforced something is good. You, you s- surrounded yourself with someone you really admired and they told you, hey, this, this is good. We ought to do this. We ought to like this. And number three, you got used to it over time. You slowly desensitized yourself to, um, to some flavor of life. Just like an appetite of taste, we have appetites of the heart an appetite of the mind. For instance, in some families, children grow up and are fed a diet of anger. Rage is normal in this house. Back in 1999, as you know, a couple of teen boys fed themselves on an appetite of rage and anger for over two years. For two years, they They nurtured a culture of violence. They had a steady diet of violent images, movies, video games. They trained their heart to hunger for rage and murder. Several years ago, I was working at a university, a Christian university, and I um, happened to work with a man who was a PhD that worked with families, and he was a very gregarious, outgoing guy. And uh, Michael uh, loved to strike up conversations with strangers. And he was always looking for other believers. And he got on a flight one time. And I'll never forget him telling me the story. He got on the flight and he uh, saw a woman and she was praying. And uh, back in the olden days, the planes were not packed full. And you could move around to other seats at will. And so Michael went over and sat down by the woman and introduced himself after the flight had gotten in the air. And said, hey, my name is Michael. I saw you praying and I'm a Christian too. And I just wanted to to meet you. And and the woman smiled and was very gracious. And she said, yes, I was praying, but I'm not a Christian. And Michael goes, oh, well, who are you praying to? And she said very politely, well, I'm a Satanist. And I was praying to Satan. Now, Michael is just shocked. And of course, he's super intrigued. And he says, well... Wow, I didn't know that Satanists prayed. And she said, yes, we have millions of people right now praying 24-7 around the world. Michael said, wow, I, I know what Christians pray for. What do Satanists pray for? She said, Satanists everywhere are focused on one thing. We pray that Satan would attack and destroy the marriages of Christian ministers. Satan has a plan to affect your spiritual, your mental, your emotional appetite. What's your plan? You can come and receive word and worship, but you're called to do more than receive. You're called to grow, to claim, to advance. What is your spiritual nurture plan. You can develop an appetite for drugs, sex, violence, lies, or you can develop, choose, and work, and plan to develop an appetite 
for grace, peace, joy, truth. As you get ready to engage in the book of Mark, the book of Mark was written, it's the shortest gospel for a reason. You see, early Christians, most theologians believe, memorized the book of Mark. There was no other scriptures. And inside the book of Mark are crystallized the most salient and important teachings of Jesus. And your forefathers passed down faith to you because the word of God shaped their emotional, spiritual appetites. How will you respond to God's word? What is your plan for engaging faith and engaging our world? Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we'd be able to receive your word this morning. Guide us into scripture as we spend some time looking at the call and the invitation to feed ourselves on your word in a way that changes our lives. May this be the year that you empower the kingdom through us in significant ways through those that we influence. We pray this this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Our passage this morning, we're going to look at a few passages in Joshua chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, and of course it'll be on the screen. In the story of the transition out of Egypt, of, of the nation of Israel, by the time we get to Joshua chapter 1, Moses has died and he's led the nation for over 40 years, and Joshua, his assistant, is being called into leadership. For 40 years, the nation had been wandering in the wilderness, but that wilderness wandering was very purposeful. You see, during the wilderness wandering, God was slowly developing the spiritual appetite of his people. You see, these people had left Egypt with an appetite of fear. Fear controlled them. For 400 years, the Egyptians had controlled them through fear. And after 40 years, they developed an appetite of faith. They left Egypt with an appetite for worshiping many gods. There were these huge statues of different gods and deities. And in 40 years in the wilderness, God developed a spiritual appetite for worshiping one God. 40 years after they left Egypt, they, they left Egypt with an appetite to follow their own desires. But in 40 years, God grew their spiritual appetite to follow the desires, the plans, and the word of God. Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. So in verses 1 and 2, we see God's plan for Joshua's life. This was a surprise to Joshua. In his mind, I'm the assistant. I'm the guy that helps out. But God says, no, I have a a greater plan. You're, You're called for more influence. I'm calling you to a life of risk, 
The plan was to lead the nation. This was a terrifying plan to Joshua. And in fact, to Joshua, this seemed impossible. And then in verses 3 through 5, God's promise follows his plan. God's plan is always met with God's promise. The greater God's plan for our lives, the greater our need to know and trust God's promises. Let me repeat that. The greater God's plan for your life, the greater your need to know and to trust God's promises. 1-6. God says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be able to succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the promise is good. The promise we read in three through five is good, but the promise is not enough. Listen to me. The promises of God to us must activate the word of God in us before we can have courage to participate in the plan of God for us. The promises of God to us must activate the word of God in us before we can have courage to participate in the plan of God for us. God commands Joshua, have courage, and he repeats it several times. How can Joshua have courage with the odds? Look, look at the circumstances. Joshua has been with these people for 40 years. These people complained and whined and griped every single day for 40 years. There's no way I can lead these people. Everyone Joshua's age except Caleb had died because of their lack of faith. Trust God's promise. Trust that plan. This is too big. This is too great a risk. There is no way I can trust your plans, God. They're too big. A minute ago, I said, what if 2018 was the year you were called to speak to your boss, to this influential person in your life, to this grandson, to this, to this broken neighbor? What if this is the year God is calling you to purposefully make a life-changing, eternal difference in someone's life. You could say to me, Rich, man, this is too big. I, I know that God calls people to risky things, but I can't do it. That's exactly where Joshua was. God's plan, God's plan, you realize, was to cross the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River were seven nations. Oh, so we're going to cross the river and we're going to immediately get in warfare with seven nations at the same time. Brilliant plan, God. This should really be easy. How can we, how can we succeed against these odds? Listen to me. The word of God leads the people of God into the victory plan of God to claim the promises of God. Verse 1-8 again. God begins to give Joshua very, very specific instructions about applying the word of God so he can activate his promise and plan. He says, verse 8, 
Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God commands Joshua to study, to meditate on his word continually. The success of God's people depends on their knowledge and obedience to the word of God. Did you hear me this morning? The success of God's people then and now depends on our knowledge and our obedience to the word of God. As a cause and effect clause, and it's mentioned twice for emphasis for all of us here this morning, read, meditate, know, obey the word of God, then you will succeed. Then you will claim God's promises. Then you will have courage to claim the plan of God for you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your marriage, in your world. The word of God is designed to activate, to engage, to transform. It morphs your spiritual appetite, your emotional appetite. The word of God has supernatural power to change the way it feels to be you. The things you crave now that bring you down, that destroy your hope. The word of God is designed to change, to lessen, to refocus your heart and your emotion in new ways. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of God equips us with supernatural courage. It's impossible to have spiritual courage without the word of God. Did you hear me this morning, West Balls? It's impossible. If you drifted through 2017... If you found yourself tied like a puppet to the circumstances of life, I'm calling you now to rise above the circumstances. No circumstance of life has the right or the power to tell you how to feel or to make you act a certain way unless you give that life circumstance that power. The word of God is designed to equip you to be overcomers. Don't you want to be an overcomer? Don't you want to rise above the despair of the world without Christ? You're supposed to be light and life. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That means you're dependent on the tools and the weapons God has given you. Without the word of God, you will have no courage to activate the promises of God and step into the plan of God. You develop, you develop, you change your spiritual appetite day by day, a little bit at a time, slowly you shape your heart hunger for courage or fear, for truth or for lie. Do you want to increase your ability to discern God's voice and plan in 2018? There's a direct correlation with the amount of time you read, know, and study God's word and your comprehension, your ability to discern, here's what God's doing. Here's where he's leading me. Here's where he's telling me not to go. If you remember the, the promise and the picture we get in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any of the sharpest two-edged swords. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes 
our innermost thoughts and desires. The promise of the author of Hebrew is the word of God can change everything about us. It can change your, your emotional wiring. So I want to close out this morning with a few tools for you. Some of you may already have some, some tools for daily Bible study. And I do mean daily Bible study. Putting the word of God into your life on a daily basis. Uh, the first, year, first tool I want to show you is, uh, is computer. You can do the one-year Bible online. You can go online and find the one-year Bible and do your reading on your computer or your laptop. Second, the tool that I use is the one-year Bible. Uh, the Tyndale Publishing House has several different paperback versions of the one-year Bible. This is the one I use. Uh, as you see, I have sliced it up because I'm a paper guy. And I have a day timer, and this fits into my day timer. And so this is the one-year Bible. This is the beginning of it. Uh, today is um, uh, January the um, 14th. I've just finished my, my reading. Uh, I started with the, uh, with, the N, the, with the NIV version of this 30 years ago. Back in the 90s, when the New Living Translation came out, I got the New Living Translation. And I had it sliced, and so it fits in my day timer for the past 30 years, I've read the Bible through every single year. You see, I'm scared to try to live a faith life without my mind being saturated with the Word of God. What are God's thoughts? What are His desires? I'm going to move heaven and earth to make sure that my mind is influenced by God every day. I'm afraid that I would fail as a father I'm afraid that the temptations of this world would pull me down from my marriage if my heart, my spiritual desires, my appetites were not influenced by the Word of God. Another tool, um, email. You can, have, uh, you can uh, go on the uh, Christianity Today website and have your reading emailed to you so that every morning it just shows up and, it, and you could discipline it to be the first thing you read every day. Before you read all the other emails, or the conspiracy theories on Facebook. Have the Word of God influence. Make the Word of God the lens through which you see everything else in the rest of the day. Does that make sense? Let, it, let your spiritual heart be influenced. What does God have to say? And let that be the anchor for your day, not something crazy that's happening in the world. You know, and yesterday in Hawaii, a text came over by accident that told everybody on the island and the islands of Hawaii that uh, nuclear weapons were inbound. It was a mistake. It flipped out everybody in Hawaii. About 10 minutes later, they sent a following text. 10 minutes later, hey, we made a mistake. There are no nuclear missiles inbound. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that they uh, had a story in the Post this morning about a bunch of people that were golfing and they were all in the kitchen. I think if I was going to die, I would go to the kitchen as well in the clubhouse. Don't you see that in your friends? The first thing they expose their mind to is something that takes them to a place of anxiety or fear or concern. Why do you live that way? Quit making that choice. Let the Word of God be the first thing that influences your heart every day. Another tool 
there's a, a reading plan that you can download, and it, you can just use your own Bible and do this reading plan. You don't need to buy anything. You can just print this reading plan out and use your own Bible. And then uh, finally, there are two phone apps, and you can go uh, to um, you can go to YouVersion. YouVersion is free, and uh, it'll go right on your phone. And let me tell you the best thing about YouVersion. It has daily reading plans, but it will also read it for you. I mean, if, you're, if you think, I don't know that I can read it, Raj. Okay, all right. I, I get too distracted. Let the phone read it for you. My buddy Gary's here this morning, and here's what Gary does. On the way to work, he turns off his radio. I know, that's a shocking idea. And uh, he has version read him the passage from the day. Well, he, he thought that was so cool, he started having it read in different versions. And so on the way to work, he has the passage for the day. And literally, when you do the one-year Bible, it takes about seven minutes to read the passage for the day. Seven minutes. You don't have seven minutes in 24 hours. Really? You got some issues. And so he, he started listening to the version, the passage in five different versions every day on the way to work. You can listen to whatever you want to on the way home. But what if you, what if you determined, every time I get in the car, I'm going to read the Word of God. Now I realize we're here on the 14th of January, so if you're going to try to read the whole Bible in one year, you're 14 days behind. So you're going to have to double up. So uh, that's 12 or 15 minutes a day. I, I know that's harsh. I'm asking for 15 minutes of your day. How gauche of Thomas to invite this bald guy to speak to us. 15 minutes. How incredible. It's impossible. Well, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try to catch up. That means on the 28th, Sunday the 28th, if you do the one-year Bible, you'll be caught up. And you'll be on track. You see, the book of Mark was written to people that wanted to be disciples of Jesus. They, what, they didn't want to just receive the blessings and the promise. They wanted to do something about it. They believed they were, had an assignment, a kingdom assignment, a call. That their life mattered. That there was a bigger purpose than just living and dying. Filling their garage with stuff. My life is bigger than the stuff in my garage. I know that is wild. My car is not my identity. My house is not my identity. Lord, help me. My looks are not my identity. There is something greater, more significant. There is something eternal about your life. And God calls disciples to engage our world in significant ways. The enemy has a plan. He's got your year mapped out. Discouragement fear. He can't manipulate anything in your life unless you give him that right. I'm calling you this morning to claim the discipleship call that the first readers and memorizers, our ancestors in faith, the book of Mark. As you engage the book of Mark, I'm encouraging you, I'm, make a commitment, I'm going to read the book of Mark through every week. I'm going to read the entire Bible this year. Make a plan to 
engage and acclaim the Word of God so it can shape and transform the way you feel. This is your year. You were born for this year. You were born for significance and impact. God's mercy plan will be transmitted through you. People who are without hope right now will find hope because of you. There is grace designed to flow through your lives. Man, it's going to be great to be you this year. But it all rests on your engagement with God's word. It changes you so you can change the world. So Lord, we want to receive this call and this challenge this morning. We know our lives were meant for something more that you didn't just save us for us to just kick back, but you saved us so you could send us. You've you've given us lives of significance and meaning. Help us to engage your word. Help us to be prepared for the Mark series, Lord, so that through us, through West Bowles community, through our lives, the lives of hundreds and thousands of people could be made different. Please, Lord, use us. Give us the courage to claim your word and to move in your power this year. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, and for this challenge. May we be different. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.